Welcome to the Design Your Happiness podcast. I'm your host, Marilee Blair. Let me be your positive light to help you reach your highest potential and put you in an empowered frame of mind every episode. It's time to get excited for our lives and be in charge of designing our happiness every single day. Let's go. Welcome back to the Design Your Happiness podcast. I'm so excited to have a very inspiring guest on the show today who is going to educate you in the principles of how to become a great public speaker and how to build a strong mindset to attract everything you want in your life. Jody Doncha is an inspiring global coach, Australia speech champion, TEDx talk speaker, and international humanitarian who was awarded Ambassador for Peace by the Women's Federation for World Peace and Universal Peace Federation. Jody helps professionals to own the power of their unique speaker voice, to communicate clearly and from the heart, and to be the leader of their own lives. Jody's struggles throughout her childhood and adolescent years, including being subjected to racism and bullying, led her to develop severe identity issues growing up and later a passion for helping others overcome similar challenges. It wasn't until Jody dedicated herself to empowering others that she truly found her voice, confidence, purpose in life, and true fulfillment. Now, Jody dedicates her everyday life to empowering humans across the globe to access and activate their full potential, living their dream and leading a life of vibrant success, fulfillment and purpose. Thank you so much, Jody, for being here on the show today to share your inspiration and welcome. Oh, namaste, my dear. What an incredible introduction. <laughs> I was in awe. You did that so well, and I'm, I really appreciate your kind words. Thank you so much. <laughs> Welcome. You're amazing. I mean, your your bio is just incredible. So I'm so excited that you're going to share your knowledge and your inspiration with all of us today. So let's get started with your favorite inspiring quote. Yes. Well, actually, well, my favorite inspiring quote, it actually changed my life, which is amazing. And before I share the quote, I'll, I'll give you a little bit of a context of how it did. I was coming from high school and I was going to university and I actually, and I honestly, I actually have no idea where I heard this quote, but it popped into my head that day. And I, I don't even know where I read it, but I was leaving high school. And like you mentioned, I went through racism. I went through bullying and I had a lot of identity issues. My family had a lot of financial issues. So I had to move 16 times before I turned 18 years of age. So that constant moving environment meant I really didn't know who I was. And I was walking up to these uni doors and the university doors and I was thinking, oh my gosh, like I'm so scared. And all this just ugh, was weighing me down for my past. And then a quote popped into my head. And the quote is, life is not about finding yourself. Life is about creating yourself. And it's from George Bernard Shaw. And when that happened, it was like this fire just exploded with me in me. And I was like, I can create myself into whoever I want to be. And I saw the university doors in front of me. And I thought, when I walk through those doors, I can reclaim who I really am. You know, that, that what happened in the past, it doesn't have to hold me back from my future. And so I walked through those doors with that quote in my head and everything changed after that. So I'm glad you've asked that question because quotes are so profound coming from a literature major background. 
You know, it's amazing how much a few words can represent a huge part of our lives or a huge part of who we are. And so that quote changed my life, Marilee. <laughs> wow, that's amazing. I'm, I'm, so, I'm so happy that you shared that with us too, that those specific words were something that changed your entire life. And I know we'll talk about that more later on, but that probably, like just having those types of words, like in your mind, like you were able to develop your mindset, you know, and to keep it that way because you were, you know, I can create my life. I can create my destiny. I can create my journey. And so that I just, I'm so happy to that, you know, you're sharing that with us too. Thank you so much. It's a great, Alison, I'm so grateful. It's a privilege to be here sharing. So thank you. <laughs> and Jody, how have you designed happiness into your life? Yeah. So, well, firstly, to answer that question in a bit of a roundabout way, the first thing I want to probably make clear is being an emotional intimacy coach, as well as a public speaking and mindset coach, I find it really important in life that we don't become obsessed with happiness. That shouldn't be the end goal. And what I mean by that is when people are so obsessed with happiness, it can become a mask and they can become uncomfortable with other emotions as well, if that makes sense. So mm -hmm. if our goal is only happiness, then we disregard the value of all of our other emotions. And our other emotions are so important. You know, sadness, they say that from sadness, there's a type of joy that we can't get through any other emotion. That sadness can evoke this joy, this, this joy that's so deep. And as well as anger are our healthy boundaries, you know, guilt makes us aware of what is okay and not okay to do in our lives. And so I had to go really down a hard path to figure that out, right? So one of the ways that I created a life of happiness is by focusing on purpose. And through being able to figure out my purpose by knowing who I am, that's where now I feel on a base level calm, contented and happy. And so there's probably three big ideas that I want to share that shifted in my life that now has led to me living or designing a life of happiness and a designing a life where I can own all of my emotions and feel really fulfilled. You know, number one was after I walked through those uni doors, I then lit a fire saying that I want to help people. And because I knew I could create myself into whoever I wanted to be, I knew a part of that meant I had to push my boundaries. I had to put myself out there more. So I started volunteering. And through volunteering, I gained my value of kindness. So I realized that to overcome my own limiting beliefs and for everyone listening to overcome your own limiting beliefs and your self-conscious tendencies, we need to make it less about ourselves and more about helping other people as well. Because when we, when we actually help people, we feel better about ourselves. <laughs> it's actually you know, a biological thing. We're bonding mammals. So I valued kindness. Then along the journey, I valued being brave because I couldn't be kind if I was allowing my fear to get in the way. And what do I mean by that? Well, I was asked to speak in front of a group of 100 new students at uni. I was a coordinator for the program, welcoming in new students. Mm -hmm. And how could I be kind and welcome them if I let my fear get in the way of speaking in front of them? So my second value of brave, being brave came up and I had to live into that value to live into my first value. And then knowing that I was being kind and brave, the thing that was missing was vulnerability. Mm -hmm. Is that three years down the path of being kind and brave, I realized that I'd never shared my story though. I was helping other people shape their stories, but I hadn't shared that I had been bullied and had gone through bullying and racism. So it's like, it's like I walked through that door, I can create my life and whoever I wanted to be, but a part of me was disregarding the past 
And so three years after that moment, it was like a reconnecting to myself as I realized, okay, yes, I can create myself and whoever I want to be, but it's important to heal, to know, to speak of our past. And it's not about disregarding it. And so then I valued being vulnerable. So my big first takeaway for people to be able to design a life of happiness and fulfillment and purpose is to know your values. Because your values are the benchmarks of excellence for how you can show up every day. And your values are also the foundation of confidence. And no wonder we, we don't speak up for ourselves or share our opinions if we don't have a foundation of confidence to begin with. Right? If we don't know who we are, how can we feel trusting in our own voice? So that's the first big idea. The second big idea is to find what lights us up in life. And what I mean by that is there's so many people who disregard themselves along the process of helping. So there's no black and white here. You'll hear me say something and then you hear me say something else and it means it's meant to be combined, right? So giving and, and contributing and knowing our values is important. And number two, it's knowing what lights us up. It's knowing what brings us joy and it's having the bravery to bring more of that into our lives. And what I mean by that too is even though I was helping people as a humanitarian, I was a teacher, I was a humanitarian before I became a coach, I was volunteering countless hours, but I wasn't happy. I was giving back, I was serving in the pool, but I wasn't happy. Why? Because I completely disregarded what else gives me joy in life. And it just became about everyone else and completely disregarding me. So my second big idea is that not only is it important to live our values and contribute, but it's important to do things that just give us joy, just because we want to feel joy as well. We just want to do things that we like. There doesn't have to be a servient mindset to it. We can just go surfing because we like surfing, not because we want to inspire anyone with that. So it's really important that we give ourselves permission to enjoy in a selfish way. Like we should be able to reclaim that word. That selfish in this way doesn't mean disregard others. It means do some things just for you, just for yourself. Why not? <laughs> it's so, so important, right? <laughs> and big idea number three is to make sure that we're surrounding ourselves with people who match our values. And it's the first one is separate from this one because we can know our values. But if we don't allow ourselves to surround our environment with people who also mirror similar values, then it doesn't matter how much we want to live into our values. It's going to be a struggle. It's going to be so hard. We have mirror neurons in our brain. We actually subconsciously begin to mimic the behavior of people around us. And if the people around us aren't aligning to our values, well, it's going to be really hard for us to live a life that we're designing for ourselves of happiness, purpose, fulfillment. So number three that changed my life and that will change others is to make the tough decisions to begin to maybe loosen contact with some people who are just in a toxic part of their life. They are not very nice people or, you know, going and leaving a relationship or needing to leave a work environment. Some tough calls like Brené Brown explains that clear is kind and unclear is unkind. And what that means is clear in our lives is being kind to ourselves, being clear about what we want and saying no to what we don't want is being kind to ourselves as well. So my big idea number three is to make sure that we make the tough calls. We, we prioritize our space and our time around us to be of value and only bring the people in that's consistently around us who are going to lift us up and who we can lift up as well. So know our values, making sure we do things just because we want to, because it's fun. <laughs> and number three is to be able to surround ourselves with like-minded, incredible human beings. I love those three things you stated. Make sure to 
uh, rewind on this episode what Jody just said because those top three things are just so essential to living your life by design, and it's it's just so important. And I think you know not enough people talk about that enough that your surroundings are important, and you know exactly what Jody said, giving back, but also doing things that bring you happiness because this is your life. You know, this is our own lives at the end of the day. And we, we have to do what makes us happy. And absolutely. So Jody, can you talk a little bit though about how you were able to move past, you know, when you had gone through bullying too, to kind of like shift your mindset? I know you said, you know, when you went through the doors at university, that quote helped change your mind, but what helped get you past the bullying to that point then where you were able to make that switch? Had you done counseling or did you start personal development? What helped you with that uh, transition? Yeah, that's a good question. So it's, it's very interesting. It still astounds me how I had that shift actually, because it's not like I had anything huge happen in that moment that made that shift happen. It was, it was just amazing how it did. Although what I would love to share is that throughout the bullying racism, there was a voice that I call the whisper of potential. And this is also going to be the basis of my book that I release next year, which is that every single one of us, when we go through struggles, challenges and adversity, we might feel like it's hopeless. We might feel like it's hard, but there is still this voice in us. And, and, some, and that's why I call it the whisper of potential because it's sometimes very quiet. It's very quiet. You know, it's the time where I was pushed to the ground, spat on and called a waste of space and a waste of air, told that I should go back to my own country. And I'm born in Australia, but I'm half Dutch, half Chinese. And they saw me as a foreigner. And I could have I given up. Oh my gosh. I was just so upset and distraught. But there was this voice and it was this, this little whisper that said, no, you get yourself up. You have something special ahead of you. And I have no idea why that voice came through, but it did. And it kept coming through and it kept reminding me, just hold on, just hold on. And I think that's why Merrily, when I was walking up to those uni doors, it was like I, I let myself fully listen to that voice. It was no longer a bit of a whisper. It was beginning to roar. And so I would say it's a build-up that I had an internal feeling that it was going to be okay that led me to the moment where I accepted that I'm now going to make it okay. I'm now going to bring my life into what it is. So for people who are struggling, I want people to know that those extraordinary people out there doing awesome things, they started often from very ordinary beginnings, very difficult beginnings, very challenging beginnings. And they all knew somehow deep down there was a voice, a whisper that told them, keep going, keep going. There's something else. And I want everyone to listen to that voice. I want people to be aware of that voice. So many people aren't and they let the inner critic take over. So I want people to be aware of that voice. That voice will come in when, you know, there's a mother who's given her whole life away to her children and to her husband and she's forgotten who she is. But there's a voice that tells her, mm, there's something else. You are deserving of your own joy, your own path as well or it's an executive who realizes she doesn't even or he doesn't even like the company that they want to leave but they're you know too afraid to or someone who's just finished uni or finished high school or a person working in a workplace and they want to start their own business either way that voice is almost like we're born with it to listen to it to then make our lives into an extraordinary life of authenticity and a lot of people don't listen to it 
And so for me, I was grateful that I did. And I want more and more people to as well. And then the second thing, which wasn't before uh, I went to the uni doors, but I will share a lot of my successes now as a coach was because of the kindness of other people and, and looking for help and support. It's so important that we don't do this journey on our own. I could never have healed from my past experiences and traumas if it wasn't for having incredible people around me. And now I can help people to heal themselves and help themselves and become better speakers and leaders and humans because I've walked through that door. So the second big thing is don't do it alone. You know, no matter what the, the journey, no matter how scary it might be to reach out for help or whatever it is, we can't do the journey at home. We are bonding mammals. Even our self-esteem is reliant on needs, boundaries, and emotions. And for us to develop healthy needs, boundaries, emotions, we have to be able to share that with other people. So, so many people are like, oh, I can love myself about anyone's help. Well, actually, yeah, part of it, but a big part of our self-esteem comes from the acknowledgement and validation of other people. Mm-hmm. And so we need to, we need to take off that, that ego-driven mindset of we can do it all alone. Mm-hmm. ask for help and have that support so those are probably two big things that I want to share around that question <laughs> that's help that's so helpful though that you're sharing that because you know people don't need to think that they have to do it by themselves so it's so important that you're saying like you you know you were able to talk to other people about it because we need people at the end of the day no matter I mean yeah we need our own time or you know even introverts it doesn't matter what your personality is at the end of the day we need other people in order to survive that's why it there are so many more mental health issues now because so many people keep things to themselves and and then it becomes so consuming because it's just sitting in their mind and they're not talking about it because people think you know i'm just going to solve this myself And, but that's important to know that for you, that helped you move forward because you decided to get vulnerable and share that to help you move forward. But we all need that. It, you know, we all need that to move forward. We need to lean on others. And if there's other resources, you know, like with you coaching and if someone needed therapy, things like that, we have to take advantage of that now. Absolutely. Absolutely. Completely agree. (laughs) And then let's talk about, so what made you decide to start your coaching business? I know you love to serve others. So let's talk about your business and how you got started and what the inspiration was behind it. Yeah, well, I actually stumbled into it through the help of somebody who I met. So I'll give a little background that I was a teacher, very happy to be a teacher. Mm -hmm. And I was a humanitarian. So I was doing volunteer work, running my own charity that I started in 2015 in Nepal after the earthquakes. And I was really happy with teaching and then spending my finances and spending my time then volunteering in Nepal and going between the two. And so I moved to the UK and I I ended up working in over 57 schools across four different countries. (laughs) That has been crazy, just teaching, teaching, getting lots of experience and talking to people, interviewing people. Mm -hmm. And life was good. Like I was happy with all of that. And then I decided to go on a little travel trip with my friends. And we were in Switzerland and in an army bunker. And (laughs) really random. And in this army bunker, we got to meet this other group that was touring. And so I started talking to this person and we hit it off, you know, we became friends. He was very successful, these different brands in Australia. And so we got along and it was great. And then we didn't really keep in contact for a couple of weeks. And then he reached out again and he's like, hey, look, I, I've been thinking 
I would like to gift you a multi-thousand-dollar course. It's a coaching course, and I think you should be a coach. <laughs> and I remember just going, what's coaching? I had no idea. I did not know that world existed, you know. So it was a bit like, oh, okay, thank you. Uh, thank you for this thing. I don't know what it is. And so I started doing the course. And I mean, my gosh, I realized that I was, in a way, kind of my whole life was preparing to be a coach. Mm. It was like all my teaching experience was preparing to be a coach and teaching through coaching. All of my speaking experience, talking about human rights, you know, in different parliament houses was so I could be a speaking coach. You know, all that experience was so I could help humanity through coaching. It was like, and uh, the rest is history. Since becoming a coach and, and doing that as my main mission, my avenue of my mission, it's been incredible. I can't even put it into words. I'm so grateful I've reached hundreds of people around the world and I'm very, very grateful for the kindness of the stranger from before, right, now friend, and for the journey so far around that. So yeah, quite an interesting journey. <laughs> That's incredible though that he saw that in you. You know, it's like sometimes we don't we we don't see certain things in ourselves and then someone like the, he was a stranger and he saw that in you and he knew that you had this gift that you had to share with all of these people and so it's incredible that that's how you met him when you were traveling and you you know it led you to this empire that you've built now yeah it's amazing once again we need people right we need, yeah. we need other yes. people to show us what we can't see <laughs> it's true and mm. and so by that by you starting this business i know that and you talked about like you've done a lot of public speaking i'm sure as a teacher you've done you know you do so many speaking engagements throughout the day and then um all of these speaking opportunities that you've had and so i wanted to know were you really scared in the beginning when you first started with um, public speaking to large groups or, you know, was it easier for you? Was there like an adrenaline? What was that like in the beginning when you were starting um, with public speaking? Yeah. So it took a while before I accepted that I'm a public speaker and it was actually my partner who I met in London as well. I've met a lot of people who are traveling, my gosh, uh, that told me, you know, well, you're a speaker. That's, that's, your expertise that's what you do and I was like oh yeah well I never thought about that so because growing up I remained silent actually a lot in my life mm -hmm. and so it was a big deal to answer your question it was a big deal speaking in front of groups of people I mean it was petrifying right I mean public speaking is the number one fear in the world mm -hmm. and no wonder I felt that so I was silent a lot of my life you know my, my I had my family who um, my father was going through mental health issues and I didn't know how to cope. So I was often silent, not knowing how to deal with that. I was silent against my bullies. I was silent against teachers who um, maybe weren't as supportive. You know, and I still remember some where I knew it was a complete breach of boundaries and, and I didn't stand up for myself. I didn't speak out. So it was really through a, and I'll mention it later on as a, as a pro tip, as a, as a contribution mindset. The contribution mindset changed everything for me. Because when I went to uni, I was very scared to do presentations or do things as well. But it's because I was focusing on how can I add value and how can I help people? And especially because I valued kindness. So adding value is part of kindness for me. And so because of that, I had to value being brave. And bravery doesn't come without vulnerability. True bravery, you know, a lot of the time is that 
you're kind of like, I don't think I can swear. So I was like a beep scared, you know, it's, you are very scared to do that. And so for me, it was a big journey, but it was contribution mindset that got me over that bridge of fear. And then there was people investing in me, you know, investing in me to go meet members of parliament in Canberra. When I was during uni, I was voted uh, one of the leaders of the campus and they sent me to Canberra and that will build up my confidence. Other people believing me, other people saying, hey, you've got potential. And so that helped me overcome it. Once again, why we need validation, why we need to surround ourselves with great people. And then to, to fast forward and answer your question in terms of where it's at now, I started actually doing speech contests because of trying to talk about human rights. I was actually, it wasn't about winning. It wasn't about public speaking. I didn't want the camera on me. I didn't want the attention on me. I didn't want to win. I just want to do speech contests because I wanted to talk about my charity efforts and how people can help them. And that, that's it. Contribution mindset changed everything for me. And then I won all these contests and I got sent to Portugal to speak in front of the members of the WFWP and the UN. And, and it was just crazy, but none of that would have happened mm-hmm. if it wasn't for focusing on my mission and focusing mm-hmm. on contribution. So to answer your question and then put also some tips around that, uh, that's been the journey and it hasn't been easy. There's been ups and downs, but my goodness, am I glad I valued bravery because now I can help lots of people with speaking. Yeah. And that you were so focused on your mission to kind of get through that. Like you had to share this message because if not you, then who? So that's a great thing to know just to at least like help other people you know, that have a fear of public speaking. And I'm glad that we're talking about this because um, it, it is, it's the number one fear before death is. And so I, I want to know how do you help people kind of move past that fear, the clients that you have, because, you know, it's when you're in a class or whether you're, you know, you need it for your career. I mean, it's just an important skill to know how to do. And especially if that's something that you want and aspire to be. So how do you help people kind of move past that fear of public speaking so they can find their mission as well like you? Yeah, that's such a great question. And I'll maybe mention more of the formula that I've, I've created from years of experience and from coaching countless people, maybe a little bit later on, because that I feel might be talking more about the public speaking side. And I'll share specifically around fear. So there's probably four big ideas around this that I'll share. So the four big ideas, the first one is that we need to start with why. As Simon Sinek explains, start with why. And it doesn't matter where people are on their journey. If they're just getting started with doing presentations, speaking, owning their voice, they will have whys. Even if they're wise because they want to get over the challenges and the pain that they're feeling. Those are whys as well. You know, whys aren't just, I want to have a life where I have another lot of money to buy my own house. So I want to have a family and all of this. Whys are also what we want to move away from. We want what we want to heal from and, and, and overcome. So number one is start with why. I have my members reflect on the 10 whys I call my 10 whys exercise where I get them to sit down and really go deep into why they're doing this because if we don't have a strong foundation of whys we'll stop we'll stop and I've seen it countless times when things get hard when they do a speech and it doesn't work out well they quit and that's because they haven't allowed themselves to connect to the true reason they're doing it in the first place so we need to be clear of that why. And like for myself, because I had that higher purpose, my fears just couldn't get in the way. They couldn't be excuses. Fears don't hold us back. Our choice to let them hold us back is what holds us back. 
<laughs> not the fear itself. We all have fears. I still have fears, but I choose not to let them overcome me because I have a strong why. So that's the, the first big takeaway. The second big takeaway is to be able to ask ourselves, what is it going to cost me if I don't? There's no our why. And the second thing that I ask is, what is it going to cost us if we don't? Because as Tony Robbins explains, we do more to avoid pain than we do to gain pleasure. And I'll say that again because it's crazy. Because I remember when I heard it, I was like, what? We do more to avoid pain than we do to gain pleasure. And it's, it's actually true. And there's so much science behind that, which means that as human beings, we, even though we want to have that perfect body for summer, the pain of doing the exercise and eating well, we don't want to have that pain to so avoid doing it and we don't get the great body, right? It's with anything, we avoid that pain. And so with public speaking, it's the same. We have to allow ourselves to feel the pain of if I don't overcome this, what's it going to cost me? Well, it might cost you meeting the love of your life. If you're not brave enough to ask people out, you might never meet the right one. It might cost you your career, that dream you have to be the CEO of your company. It will cost you that. It might cost you having kids because if you don't have your partner, you're not having that family. It might cost you this. It might cost you that. Mm -hmm. So when we ask ourselves, what's it going to cost me? That pain sometimes outweighs the little bit of discomfort of the moment of doing that presentation, of asking that person, of doing that thing. That's a really, really big pro strategy. When people get that right, it changes everything. You know, the third big takeaway is just a little strategy that is so profound and it's called the five second rule anchor thought. And this one is actually inspired by Mel Robbins. And it's within five seconds, our brain can talk us out of anything. <laughs> it's like we can beat our brain by taking an action within five seconds of making a decision. E.g., you're sitting on the couch. I should probably go for a run. Two, one, nah, you know, maybe not. I don't think so. I'm really comfy, comfy here. But if in that five seconds when we're sitting on the couch, we get up though. Within five seconds, we get up, we grab our shoes, we put them in front of us. We are, and I don't remember the exact statistics, 70% more likely to do the action because we took a little a step towards the thing we wanted to do. And the same thing with public speaking in terms of fear. So if we're about to go on the stage or do a presentation or ask a person out, go to a networking event, whatever it is, right? Even ask the waiter to return our meal because it wasn't cooked right. That all takes a lot of bravery of speaking. We, within five seconds of realizing we're telling ourselves, I'm fearful, I'm overwhelmed, I can't do this. Within five seconds, what we need to do is anchor how we're going to feel after it. So fear comes up within five five seconds we go no 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 I don't feel fear I don't feel overwhelmed I'm excited I'm excited for the feeling of the applause after I'm excited for how it's going to feel to have five new contacts after the networking event I'm excited that I'm going to ask this way and I'm going to enjoy my meal that's actually cooked properly so if we in five seconds tell ourselves instead of saying we're scared we tell ourselves we're excited because fear and excitement have the exact same biological reaction in our body we tell ourselves we're excited. Then we tell ourselves what we're looking forward to after the thing we're scared to do. All of a sudden, we, we actually overcome our fear. It's amazing how that happens. The fear doesn't go away. We don't want fear to go away. Fear is a great thing. But we overcome it in that moment to take that action. And one of the things that I love sharing is that before getting on stage in front of hundreds of people, I'm still nervous. You know, I'm excited, nervous. Like, of course, why not? I care about it. So obviously, feel feelings. And so what I remind myself of is the love of my life, Melvin, sitting in that front row and straight after I finished my speech that I'll be running up to him, jumping into his arms and him telling me, 
you did awesome. And even if I'd sucked, he would still tell me, tell me I did awesome. I'm just looking forward to that hug and to that moment. So for me, that's my anchor thought. For some people, it's their kids. For some people, it's the round of applause. For some, some people, it's that reward or that bonus, whatever it is. But we need to anchor the thing we're looking forward to after. And the fourth big idea that's really important is for us to be able to, or oh, there's so many things I could mention about this, is for us to be able to activate our bodies and our minds. And what I mean by that is not only the anchor thought, that's the minds, but we need to be able to activate our bodies as well as our mind. And so many people forget this because what I see, and I've watched this and I love watching this, is I've interviewed people before for, to be part of our charity uh, volunteer groups and I've you know, interviewed other people in different situations and they're often sitting down and they're on their phone, hunched over, messaging while they're waiting to be interviewed or while they're waiting <clears throat> to do their speech or answer their questions or go on the panel. And not, not only does, is that a bad posture and our bodies tell ourselves we're not confident because we're, we're bending over, but we're reacting, we're, we're going into a state of... Uh, almost kind of disengaging from the moment so what we need to do is activate our bodies stretch it out before we go on stage before we ask the person out before we go to the networking event stretch out our bodies breathe deep hold the five uh, hold the five minutes of the power pose it literally works it's amazing i go to the bathroom sometimes and i hold this power pose for a few minutes and you can't not feel confident when you're holding your arms out hands on your hips head up smiling when you're smiling you just automatically feel happier it's like crazy <laughs> so it's important to get our bodies moving and to almost convince our brain that we're confident even if we're not feeling so confident in that moment and that includes eating healthy drinking lots of water and all of that makes a big difference so number one is making sure that we have a strong why and many whys at least 10 i would say if not more number two ask ourselves what's the cost of inaction Number three, have a five-second rule anchor thought strategy in place. And number four, activate our bodies as well as our minds. And then we're going to be able to, to overcome those fears so much more in the moment, as well as, of course, emotional intimacy and healing from past experiences. That's a conversation for later. But yeah, that's, really <laughs> <cool about> <laughs> that's a great oh. formula because it's like based on kind of flipping that switch, like flipping your fear switch and focusing on that positive reinforcement that you shared. And then I like that you're talking about the energy because I love Tony Robbins. So I love that, you know, you talk about him, like all the Brene Brown and Mel Robbins, like everyone you said, but the thing, um, when, when you're talking about like your movement, it's like you're, and when you're smiling, it's, it affects your energy so much. And so at a lot of Tony Robbins events for you all that are listening, he always wants you to like, get up. He's like, get up, get excited. Because if you're just always sitting down at his events, like, are you, you know, like you get tired after a while, but, and you're trying to kind of keep that inspiration and keep all the great value that he's giving. Um, but he's like, okay, everybody get up, like get excited because you need to, you know, reignite that fire and, you know, you need that for public speaking as well. So I love that. Jody, that you're saying that too, that you do it too, because it changes everything. Like it changes everything. It makes you more excited. And when you're talking about the example of, you know, should I go for this run? I mean, you know, we can, like you said, we can talk ourselves into things or out of them. So if you really want to do something, 
you should do it and get yourself excited for it. So like, yeah, I'm going to run. Let's do this. You know, <laughs> Give yourself your own yes. energy, you know, so, because sometimes we do need to be our own motivation too. Absolutely. Absolutely. So if you're ever you're about to do your exercise or run, I want to see you jumping around. You're like, yeah, I'm excited for this. I'm excited for the pain. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh. And it'll be a great burn after and, and then you can do anything and then it'll get you in that great, good, healthy habits because then once you do it and then once you're in that routine, then the momentum picks up and you just want to keep going and just keep doing it. And then you just feel better all around having that good routine. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then this, <laughs> and this leads, um, you know, I want to talk about this because Jody, this is so incredible because you were a TEDx speaker and that's such a, you know, such a big opportunity. And so I want to talk about your opportunity, how that happened, where you got to be a TEDx speaker and what the experience was like. Yeah. So and I will be honest, actually, about this. When I was asked to do a TEDx talk the first time, it was, it was, it was actually not something I thought was a big deal. It's, it's actually quite funny to share that. So I was actually volunteering in Nepal, and I was doing different projects. I had some international volunteers. I made some international volunteer programs so people overseas could come and help in Nepal and, and have a cultural experience as well. And I was just very preoccupied doing all of that. And then for my Instagram, because at that time, I was very heavily involved in Instagram for my charity. And I had just this random person reach out and was like, hey, I've been following you on Instagram for a while. And I've been meaning to tell you that I'm starting TEDx and well, like as in being the new creator of TEDx in that region. Mm -hmm. And he said, I would love for you to speak about your charity efforts and speak about what you do and how you help people. And I'd love to have you on. And, then, and I remember just thinking, oh, okay. Like, cool, yeah, well, I can see if it can work into my schedule. I was, like, very casual about it, you know. <laughs> and then I, at dinner with one of my volunteers, uh, I was just da -da -da, talking about some stuff. And I was like, oh, yeah, and this person asked me, I think it's called TEDx or something. And then she was like, what? And her reaction, it was hilarious. And I jumped. I still remember I almost threw my momos around, like, the, the corner because I was, like, jumping from her, her <laughs> reaction. I was like, you have to do that. That's huge. Do you know what that is? I was like, well, obviously I don't because <laughs> I'm not as excited as you are. And it was hilarious. And once she told me and I got onto TED and I got addicted to TED, you know, watching all the incredible videos worldwide, I was like, oh, this is a big deal. Oh, cool. Okay. <laughs> so that's my truthful story, actually, about how I felt at the beginning of that. Oh, my gosh. And then, yeah, the, the journey after that, at that time, I wasn't as pro as a speaker. So my process now would be a bit different. But at the time, what I did do, which is similar, is I brainstormed all my ideas. I recommend everyone to do this, is that we have so many nuggets of stories, of value, of goodness within us from our past experiences. So many stories, so many things. And even one learning experience can have five different angles, for example. So I want everyone to, the first thing that I do and for everyone to, to brainstorm it out, get a big piece of paper. For me, I'm visual, so I love it on a big you know, physical piece of paper with a pen. And I'll just write out all my ideas. I'll brainstorm and I'll mind map it, basically, all the different ideas. And then I ask myself, oh, what is the true mission behind the speech for me? What's the takeaway I want this audience to leave from? And I really love Chris Anderson, the founder, the, you know, the second and now almost like the original founder of TED. 
is he says that the speech is not a speech, it's actually an opportunity to plant an idea in people's minds. I love that. The opportunity to plant an idea in people's minds. Oh, I love it. So I was like, what's the big idea I want them to take away? What's that big idea? And then the stories and everything began to align to that. And then I was able to craft it out, practice it, do all the things that we normally would for a speech. And so those are things I'd want to, I wanted to mention just so people can begin to practice that too. Ask yourself, what is the big idea you want them to walk away with? What's the value? Because it seems simple, but so many people I've spoken to where their presentations are just packed full of lots of different things, but there's no clear through line. There's no clear idea and takeaway. And people leave often more confused than they were before the actual presentation or the story that has no big reason behind the story or it goes too long. So if we know the big ideas we want the audience to take away with, the solution we want them to leave with, the value that we want them to take away to make their lives better, we're more likely to tailor our speech specifically to their needs than if we just go, I want to do a speech and talk about some stuff that I'm good at. <laughs> so it's really important to keep that in mind. <laughs> yeah. That is very great advice, especially, I mean, because you were able to have that opportunity too. I mean, it's just, it's just incredible. I mean, were you, when you actually did get on stage, was it different, this type of speaking engagement than your other speaking engagements? Yeah, you, it was. It and you're was on the time different. limit, right? Also? Yeah, maximum 18 minutes. Okay. And yeah, I mean, that's still quite a lot for a lot of people, of course, 18 minutes. For me, that's nothing because I do speak, I do, you know, um, whole day events and such. I can speak for hours on topics and I'm very interactive in my events. So I'm asking questions, I'm getting people to write things down, I'm getting them up and doing things. And with a TED talk, you can still do that. And people are unique in the way they go about it. There is an idea as well about a traditional TED talk. And so that kind of idea is that it's mostly your own storytelling. And it's mostly your own, it's your own engagement with the audience rather than getting them to be giving responses back. It's more you sharing and, and asking them questions to make them think, but not necessarily sharing back to you, if that makes sense. Whereas in my events, I'm getting a lot of feedback. I'm asking for people's ideas. I'm getting them to talk about things. So it is very different. For anyone who's going to do a TED Talk or a TEDx Talk, I definitely recommend them to watch other TED videos, not to compare themselves, not to make them try to, to match other people's speaker styles, like not at all, but just get a feel about the enthusiasm or about what people are doing that you like and take what you like and disregard what you don't to make it uniquely yours. Practice the time limit because there is an 18 minute time limit. So practice it and it can be less as well, of course. So practice it, see what works for you, make sure you time it, you feel comfortable with that. And then with the, the, the TEDx talk as well, what I think is really important is that there are very clear takeaways and through lines. And a way to do that is to separate it into what we is, is, is what they call pathos, logos, ethos, which is 65% of it should be storytelling because audience engage really well with storytelling. And if we use stories, they're more likely to walk away with nuggets of, of information they'll, rem they'll remember. So 65% storytelling, 25% of a good TED talk is to have credibility, is to have rather, sorry, statistics, case studies, um, evidence, right? So not only do we want to tell 65% of stories, but we want to have 25% backed up. For example, 
I'll often start, you know, something by saying, well, did you know that public speaking is the number one fear in the world? And I'll share some statistics about mental health rates or other things, right? So we want to bring in that it's not just our own stories, but there's evidence and there's worldviews that agree with what we're saying. And then the last part of that is 10% credibility, is we want people to know we're credible to talk about that thing, or we're quoting credible sources, hence why I love using quotes from other people to show that I do a lot of research on other people as well. So 65% storytelling, 25% statistics, evidence, case studies, and 10% credibility, and people are going to be doing awesome with their speeches. <laughs> wow. That's a great way to figure out how to put it all together, too. Yeah. And yeah, otherwise it's confusing, right? Because it's like, yeah. what do I do? What do I start? Yeah. <laughs> and to look at other people's. I mean, and then when you were, I know your friend had gotten you excited when you told her about the opportunity and when you obviously were researching other TEDx speakers and what a big deal it was, did it, did it create more excitement and less uh, fear or, you know, like just more or just you realize what a great opportunity it was that you could also help more people that way too? Yeah, actually, great question because it's all of the above. You know, I was more excited and I was also bloody scared and I was excited to add more value to people it was like all of it especially because of this one we were traveling to a whole nother part of the country and you know was getting to meet all the, the crew and all these people beforehand and was going to an unknown location so there was like a lot of movement with, with needing to do the speech as well so yeah it was a lot out of my comfort zone it was like new people new environment completely and at that stage when I first did that that TEDx talk, and I will do more in future around my book. When I did that first one, it I wasn't, I didn't identify as a speaker yet. Mm. So yeah, it was a big deal. You know, that was my first, I would say, moment where I was like, oh, I'm being a speaker, like you know, in the situation rather than I'm just speaking because it's for my charity and stuff. It's like I'm actually doing something as a speaker. Mm. So yeah, I was scared. And one of the things that helped me a lot was to have my partner there with me having someone who I knew and he went he went with me there and I could practice with him and he kept giving me encouragement so for anyone make sure that before you have something that's very uncertain you call up that friend who just has you know fantastic advice or makes you feel good or you call up your mom you call up your dad or you have someone come with you because amongst uncertainty we need to claim back certainty mm -hmm. right? amongst challenge we need to claim back that security and safety so if we balance that out by having something or someone or habits or strategies that we are comfortable with, we're more likely going to be able to take on discomfort and take on challenge in a much more excited way, in a stable and balanced way. So for me, that definitely helped back then too. <laughs> and what, what other resources have helped you in your business and in your life with your growth and your personal development? What, what have those big resources been for you yeah so one of the biggest things that i answer probably three big things the first big thing is emotional intimacy changed my life changed my life especially during this year of covid i was a public speaking mindset coach and it was this year that i pivoted and i went into ex actually leaning into my expertise as an emotional intimacy coach and that's now what some people are getting to know me um, mm -hmm. as is that's one of my leading missions now is emotional intimacy so a resource around that is well, I've studied different courses, but a resource that people can pick up from anywhere, which just gets you 
introduced, it's, it's quite heavy reading it, but it gets you introduced to the concept of how emotions are stored in our body and how we need to release our emotions. It's called The Body Never Lies. And it's from Alice Miller. She, if I recall correctly, she's a German uh, family therapist and psychologist, and most of her books are in German, but this one was translated. So it's called The Body Never Lies. People can get it on Audible. They can get the book as well. And it just goes deeply into different people's stories about how if you don't allow yourself to be comfortable with all your emotions, to accept all your emotions, to have the tools to be able to feel all your emotions in a, in a healthy, functional way, then it gets stored in your body. It comes out as health issues. It, it comes out as you reliving patterns from your past. It holds you back. And so for me, one of the most transformative experiences was going deep into my healing around emotional intimacy. So I definitely recommend for people to, to get help, you know, have support with developing these skills. And obviously I'm happy to help people with that too, but it doesn't have to be with me. It could be with anybody just, just get support with emotional tools and being able to be in a healthy, functional, emotional space with yourself. For me, that's huge. So number one, that book is great. Number two, I really love Brendan Bichard. Brendan, you know, he was one of the first ones I followed after having that course that I got from the, the person I met in Switzerland, right? And I just loved his work. He has so much enthusiasm, so much just energy, positivity for life. And I found that before Brendan, I didn't really say I had a role model. And I think mm -hmm. everyone should have a role model, my goodness. But at that point, I didn't have any role models, really. But mm -hmm. Brendan became one of my first role, model, role models. And I'm very grateful that actually at the beginning of this year, before the pandemic happened, I got to meet him in person and tell him how grateful I am for him in America. That's where mm -hmm. yeah, I began to connect more to everyone in America, was actually going there for the first time at the beginning of this year and meeting mm -hmm. him and all of that. So. <laughs> That was pretty incredible. So, uh, yeah, wow. So, yeah, I definitely recommend people get role models and then you'll be surprised. You might end up meeting them in person, you know. <laughs> and the, th the third big thing that I think is great for people to, you know, besides uh, myself to get resources and help with is Brene Brown. I love Brene Brown. And also, I'm not trying to boast or anything. I'm just very grateful. I got to meet her in person last year. And that was awesome. And I told her about what we're doing in the community. I told her how much her know the the uh, TED talk the power of vulnerability how much that changed my life so I really want people to look into Brené Brown read her books watch her TED talks she is one of the leading I think well she is the leading right researcher on vulnerability and emotions and how to lean into discomfort mm -hmm. about how to be a wholehearted brave leader I swear by Brené Brown's work and she's awesome in person as well so number one, emotional intimacy, look more into that. Own our emotions. And you can read the book, The Body Never Lies from uh, Alice Miller, Brendan Bichard, all this stuff is great. I got a lot of my planning habits for using his high performance planner. So very mm -hmm. much recommended. And number three would be Brene Brown, watching her TED Talks, uh, read her books, all of that. I'm always a big advocate of other people's work because I don't care if people don't come to me. I mean, if they, they vibe with me, if they, they feel like I'm the right person, great. Otherwise, I just want people to make their lives better. And so I'm happy to share all those different resources and other people they can go to as well. So yeah, those are probably the top three. Oh yeah, that's amazing. I think it's just, we're in such a great day and age where there's so many resources like that, that we have at our fingertips, you know, so we can grow and be better and learn any new skill because we have it so accessible to ourselves now. And 
I wanted to ask you too, because, and it's amazing. You got to meet all of them before this happened and you got to be here in the U S. Um, but I was wondering how did the pandemic affect your business and did you have any, you know, stages of mourning? Because I felt like as a world, you know, since we're all going through it, we all kind of went through our own type of mourning. You know, people were experiencing emotions they hadn't experienced since childhood. Some never, um, some people just kind of kept going, but I just wanted to know what your experience was with your business and personally. Yeah, thank you. It's such a great question. And I love your story that I've heard previously around that as well of owning the hardship and then reinventing, right, in in terms of what's next an opportunity. So for me, it was very much that similar pathway of I'm a strong advocate of feeling the hurts. I really do believe that it's important because otherwise, like you said, you you repress experience and you repress emotions and therefore you repress memories. And then when times like this happen, where all of a sudden you stop and, and you have to be with yourself more, they come up and it becomes overwhelming. Right. So it's better that in those moments we, we, we are able to feel and heal and experience those hurts. And I did you know, before March or so, things were going fantastic in terms of my whole business was live. It was in person. My, my whole business, I don't think, I mean, the only thing that was online was my online communities and a couple of online courses, but all my public speaking, my live trainings, all of that, that was live in person. I had speaking gigs lined up with Monash Uni, Fed Uni, uh, um, Mentor and Girls Grammar, Academy XI, all these other platforms were lined up for public speaking engagements. So not only did I lose the opportunity to help more people in all these different avenues, but I lost thousands of dollars. And it was really hard. It was like, oh my gosh, this is tough. And I had to really sit with that. I think it was a few weeks where I was just letting myself be down. I was just like, this sucks. You know? mm-hmm. and, and then after feeling that pain, because I'm such a positive person naturally, I was like, okay, what's the opportunity in this now? And so one of the, the, I don't know who this is from originally, but one of my members, I learned just as much from my members as they learned from me. And one of my members said the quote, uh, was it necessity breeds reinvention. Necessity mm-hmm. breeds reinvention. And I was like, yes. Oh my gosh. Cause it was a necessity. I needed to do something because I could no longer do live events. So not only was my business going to plummet, but how was it going to help people? And I hadn't had skills yet with running a lot of online trainings or webinars or any of that yet. So I was like, okay, well, I need to reinvent myself. It's a necessity now. It's not an option. I always knew I wanted to do more online webinars and programs, but it's no longer an option. It's a necessity. I have to make this happen. So I reinvented myself and I actually created the thing. I'm One of the things I'm most proud of is I created my my large mastery program online with 12 months of support. I spent three months recording of 150 videos, putting everything that I know is going to get someone from overwhelm and fear and not knowing themselves and, and all of that to oozing confidence, living extraordinary aligned life and being able to speak with excellence and, pro- and professionalism. And the people I've taken through, every single one of them has completely transformed their lives. And that's probably the thing I'm most grateful for is I took that time to reinvent, pivoted my business, and now the whole thing's online. All my events are online now. 
<laughs> all my one-to-one coaching, all my webinars, all of that is all online now. And it's actually amazing. So it's one of the things I think I'm most proud about is now helping people online, reaching more people internationally now too. And the second big thing that I love that's come out of COVID for myself is emotional intimacy is I realized, yes, I was doing public speaking events and that big mastery programs about public speaking, but I also brought in emotional intimacy. And also brought in how to be there for ourselves emotionally, how to come from an authentic emotional space as well, lead from our hearts. And because of that shift, within one week of launching my emotional intimacy course, it filled. Then I launched another one because I thought, oh, what the heck? It filled so quick, I'll do another one. That filled within two weeks. And now people are reaching out, asking me to do an online version, like an online program version, because those are live online trainings, but an actual static online course version where they can do it at their own pace. People are asking me for that now too. And it's like, wow, people need this right now. And so one of the messages I want to give to business owners, you know, or people running organizations is that we need to be able to adapt, to be flexible, to listen to what people need, not what we think they need, but what they really need. Listen to the clients, listen to the people. I don't call my members clients, I call them members because we're members of a, a purposeful living movement. But for them, you know, their clients, they can really get a lot of feedback and give them what they need. So I'm very grateful for that. And now, I mean, it's, my business is, is booming. I'm helping hundreds of people and feeling very, very fulfilled. And it's completely online. So I can wear my slippers. And uh, during the breaks, I can go cuddle my guinea pigs. You know, it's great. <laughs> so I'm loving it. That's incredible. And, and I think that's the biggest takeaway, um, too, is that you adapted and now you're helping even more people that you weren't able to help by just in person because you're only one person and there's so many people in the world, you know, everyone that, you know, wants Jody's help. It's like not everyone's going to be able to get that in person. So now you can just help everybody because everyone can access your videos by, you know, reaching out to you and by signing up. And so I think it's just, it's a great thing how, you know, with this, with this hardest pandemic that, you know, our generation has, I mean, mo- most generations have been through, we're all going through this together, but there is a big silver lining that you just exactly what you said, what can you do to really service the people that are trying to be in your business or are your members or clients or your customers or whoever those people are, what can you do that's different because it's not working based on the situation the whole world is in right now. So it's amazing that how you transformed and now you're helping even more people because you were able to kind of shift and okay, this is the situation. This is how I'm going to change. And you learn new skills. You had to learn the softwares. You had to learn all of these different things online that, you know, it wasn't a big push in the beginning, but because of this, it was a big motivation that became such a blessing in disguise. And so, yeah, it's just incredible. And so let's talk about, um, can you tell us about the packages that you offer for your business so people know some of your different packages? Yeah, so it's, I, I really tailor the options for people specifically on their situations. I and mean, that's what I want to share first is that there's so many 
And I'm not, and I'm not putting anyone down. Everyone has a different business model and it's awesome. It's working out for them. That's great. You know, great for myself personally. I, in, I give everybody one-to-one time before I bring them into a program. And the reason I do that is because I don't want people just joining who I don't know and they don't feel like I'm really able to support them in a unique, tailored way. I want people to feel like they're fully saying yes to themselves with optimal support and they know exactly what they're getting into something for, their why. And you can only really do that if I can actually have a conversation with them because I believe people's lives change through those conversations, not just necessarily a sales app, but really those conversations that are created. So for me... When people reach out, the first thing I do is get to know them on email or you know, on text or whatever way first. And then I have a call with them and I, and I gift them if I feel they're the right person, if I feel like it's, it's the right vibe, if I feel like they're ready, they really want this, then I'll gift them a 497 clarity breakthrough call. And now with that, it will lead into the programs that work for them. So to give you an idea of a few different programs, or well, one option is one-to-one coaching. Some people really love to have that, that one-to-one that, um, space where I can take them into full transformation, really have them heal from past, the past, really give them a lot of tailored feedback and, and take them into very transformative conversations on a deeper one-to-one level. So I've got the one-to-one coaching packages for people's needs as well. Now I've also got emotional intimacy. So I have live trainings, emotional intimacy trainings, where we actually in a group of people online will go through a transformative course together and also going to launch the uh, online course one as well. People can do it at their own pace. Public speaking. I've got public speaking live training where people can come once again online and will be rocking out over a certain amount of weeks where they will have the support of the community as well as myself live coaching on the spot, helping people doing activities. It's transformative. It's, it's amazing. I'm so grateful for the amount of just epicness that my members are having in their lives from the courses. I love it. And then the, the other option as well is my ultimate option. It's something that I'm so proud about having launched this year that has just transformed people's lives. It's a whole year of support with me. You know, for those who are ready and they know that sustainability is what they need to get them over that line, then it's 12 months of support. It's my mm-hmm. ultimate package. It's what I call my voice activation formula. Very unique. I've made it based on hundreds upon hundreds of coaching sessions of courses I've done on my own speaking experience on the you know, things that didn't go so well for me during the journey. And I've created into my voice activation formula, which is vision and values, optimizing their personal branding and body inspiration. So how they can add value to people through a contribution mindset and storytelling. And then it's C, which is connection, how to understand human psychology. And E is living an extraordinary, being an extraordinary person, living an extraordinary life. And when I take people through that formula, Every single one of them, without a doubt, every single one of them, lives completely transformed. It's amazing. It's one of the things I'm so grateful that I've created this year. So that's the, one of my main focuses for next year too. So yes, that's wow. also one of the programs. <laughs> that's amazing. Everyone who's listening, you need to take advantage of um, one of the programs that she's offering because those are all very incredible just to help you get and you know live your best life and reach your fullest potential and where can our listeners connect with you and find you so that way they can book a coaching package or a one-on-one yeah no great question so to start that conversation for them to begin to take that step for themselves which i always think that initial step to research to reach out such a big deal right so they can go to my website which is www.jodydonsher.com and i'm 
sure that they can look at my name and how to spell that because it's pretty confusing, but it's J-O-D-Y and then Z-O-N-T-J-E. <laughs> and then they can also just email me directly as well. They're welcome to email me directly, which is namaste at jodydonchard.com. And I'm happy to start a conversation, happy to go deeper with them. And, and well, with you, I should say, for those listening with you, happy to go deeper with you, happy to unpack more of your challenges. And I just want to make clear too, if we do jump on that call, you know, if I, if I gift you, I feel you're the right person, you're ready to go. If I gift you that clarity breakthrough call as well, there's no pressure. If for whatever reason on that call, we don't feel in alignment, maybe you're not ready. Maybe you realize that, you know, maybe for whatever reason, it's not the right path for you. That's okay. You're going to leave with an awesome, awesome clarity plan of exactly how to overcome your challenges and we'll part as friends either way. I always want to make that clear for people because it's all about a conversation. I only want people to join if they are ready to join because everyone changes their lives once they make sure they're ready. And so that's, that's what I want, people who are truly ready to commit because they want to, not from any pressure on my side. Thank you so much, Jody. Thank you for sharing that with all of our listeners. Thank you so much for being here today. And thank you for all the value that you've given all of us. You're most welcome. Thank you, Marilee. I just love what you're doing. I love the message. I love your communication style and how you hold this space. And I think your audience, your listeners are very lucky to have you as a mentor, as an inspiration. So thank you so much for gifting the space for me to share and for you doing all that you're doing. Thank you so much for joining me on the Design Your Happiness podcast. I appreciate you for listening and I hope you feel inspired. If you enjoyed this podcast, please share it with your loved ones. I hope you have a beautiful day and get excited to design your happiness.